0: Views and opinions on this show do not necessarily reflect the views of ESPN Tucson 1490 and 1049 FM or the Arizona Lotus Corporation. Got car trouble? Now's the time to talk with Jerry on the Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show. Call in now at 719-1490.
1: Of them gas drinking, piston, clanking air polluting smoke belching, four-wheeled buggies from Detroit City, then pay attention. I'm about to sing your songs, huh? <laughs> All right, welcome back to the second hour of the Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show right here on ESPN Tucson, 1490 AM, 104.9 FM. I'm Jerry Simmons, your host, and along with me, my co-host, Jim Mooney, for Frontier Towing for all of your towing needs first hour we covered driving habits we covered a checkup from a neck up when you're driving during the holiday seasons and this information applies to when you're driving 365 days a year so we covered that anybody has any questions or if you want us to regurgitate that we can regurgitate it in the second hour but we're going to do the short version but it's it's on what you need to do and how uh, you can possibly go shopping and actually make it back home without crashing. So we'll, we can get into that. But right now, uh, you know, the previous caller, Lou, uh, had a good question. And she was talking about going from a uh, paraffin-based oil, which is what the regular oil is, to a synthetic, and maybe having problems with the synthetic. Now, I know this has, uh, there's a lot of questions on synthetic. I've got it over the years, and I've been using synthetic since 1980 because of, I was able to research this stuff all the way to the nth degree, and so I have pretty good information on the synthetics, on the synthetic blends versus the paraffin base, on how these synthetics work with engines and transmissions and differentials, so, I'm not a rookie at this end on the synthetic now, her concern was uh she had she went from a regular paraffin base on her older truck to a synthetic because they just put it in that was all they had, and so they they just they put it in, and she was concerned that it might do damage if you switch if you have an older vehicle more than about thirty thousand miles and you want to take it from a paraffin base, which is regular Havoline, uh, all the stuff they've got out there that doesn't say synthetic on the, bottom, on the bottle, then you flush the engine. They make an engine flush. Go down to Merle's Automotive, get you a can of engine flush. Don't get the cheapest one. Don't get the most expensive one. Get the middle grade one and take it to your shop. If you're not a... Technician or you're not familiar with this stuff, take it to a shop, have the guys go ahead, put the, put the engine flush in it, follow the direction the directions on that to a T because the engine flush is going to cut loose all of the debris that's left by the paraffin base, and paraffin is wax. They're not as bad as they used to be, but they can build up over a period of time. If you've got 100,000 miles on it, 80,000 miles on it, 100,000 miles on it, and you say, okay, I'm going to go to synthetic. I'm going to go to a full synthetic. Don't you do it unless you know exactly what you're doing. Don't play games with it because the synthetic has enough detergent in it to actually flush your engine that that engine flush is designed to do before you put that high dollar flush in there, which is a full synthetic change. And if you'll do that, you'll probably stay safe. If you don't have a problem with the car at 100,000 miles, it's running flawless. You've had the oil change at regular intervals all the way through. And you just keep the same oil in there. Don't be changing these things around. And if you use a – I've seen this. I actually did it on a vehicle to see what happens. I was running a Haviland, which is a good oil. And I decided I'm going to change the oil brand and see what happens, see if the color stays the same, blah, 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 you know, that. And I changed the oil in it, and my engine was changed probably more often than most people change their oil. But when I did, the oil changed color, and I questioned that, and so I did a little research on it and found out that not all of your engine oil are designed with the exact, same detergent packages in it, and the detergent package on a can of (coughs) regular paraffin-based oil only has about a teaspoon of detergent in the quart of oil. That does wear out. That's the reason you have to have your regular oil changes. The oil molecules in a quart of oil the molecules go from round to flat. Flat molecules in the used motor oil is used for, like, telescopes and stuff like that because it, the flat molecules will actually overlap and give you a better slow RPM, very slow RPM, like on a telegraph when they are changing the position, and it gives you a better protection than the brand new motor oil because the molecules in the old oil is flat. The molecules in the new oil is round. And trust me, I, I got this from a very reliable source. Actually it was an engineer at the University of Arizona. And but when you go and you're out and let's say you have uh you have paraffin based oil in there. In your car, and you pull in, and you want to get an oil change, and they don't have any paraffin-based oil because they run out, and all they've got left is synthetic. Remember what I said about the synthetic. That synthetic is going to flush your engine out. It's going to flush your engine. It'll clean that that paraffin base out of there. So you have to be very careful on how. It won't clean it as quick as the engine oil flush, but it will clear it out. And so you can run it, but you have to keep tabs on for about the first 1,000 miles on what your oil consumption is, because the oil will go to work on cleaning the sludge out, and it will actually clean it, and it will go through the exhaust pipe, and you won't even see the smoke. Been there, done that, have tested it. So when you're going to go from a paraffin base to a synthetic, remember, if you've got over 30,000 miles on it, and this has come from a lot of lab research, then go ahead and flush the engine, clean it out at a garage or at home for you guys that's been wrenching on cars for the last 100 years. Flush it out. Follow the instructions on that flush bottle to the T. And then you can change it over to synthetic. If you're out running and you have synthetic in it and you say, okay, well, my engine's using a little bit of oil and it has, I'm about 3000 miles down the road. So on a 5,000 mile change and I'm down a quart of oil. Oops. I don't have any synthetic out here. They don't, they've never even heard of synthetic back here in the backwoods, Alabama. And so, which is going to be a bunch of bull. However, Get a can. If you're at a service station and you pull in and you check your oil, you've been running across country, and you find your quart low and you didn't carry a quart of synthetic fluid with you, put a can of paraffin base in it. It's called then, it's called a semi-synthetic. When, and all it does is change the drain interval. So you can put the can of oil in there. You'll be fine. It's got plenty of synthetic in it to keep it all running perfect in it. Put the can of paraffin base oil in that synthetic. Use the same viscosity that you have in it that's synthetic. They'll have that in the regular paraffin base oil. Put your oil in it. Don't drive that vehicle with low oil, okay? A lot of your engines now, have them especially in the diesels if you run low on oil it'll shut your engine down and we did a guy on a Ford had a diesel in it we put Amsoil synthetic in it 1540 he run that thing when it got time for his oil change we sent him a notice because it's supposed to be changed at 5000 miles and we sent him a notice at 5,000 miles. We sent him a notice at 6,000 miles. We sent him a notice at 7,000 miles. We sent him a notice at 8,000 miles. We got a call from Ford dealership at 10,000 miles. And the the service manager at Ford dealership told me, he said, Simmons, if y'all hadn't put that good synthetic in his truck, his motor would have been junk. But the end result, all it did was shut the engine down. And the synthetic that you were using in there is some of the best stuff that we've ever seen in a motor. So, thanks to you, this guy doesn't have to buy a seventeen thousand dollar motor, have an engine job done. And I thought, okay, that's a pretty good that's a pretty good testimony from a, a competing business or a dealership, which it was a dealership. And so, just proper paying attention to it and those little indicator lights the one that has a little solenoid that if it says oh you can't run this truck with two and a half quarts of oil low and a diesel has a bigger oil capacity than a regular car well most of them do and but it still shuts the engine down they've got them on the cars now where you run and then you get low on oil and then it'll will shut them down you have different models of cars and different engines, and you can have it in a GM if you've never had a quart of oil, oil used in the life of your 100,000-mile truck. And then you get a brand-new truck or brand brand-new car, and then you use, you lose a, a quart and 1,000 miles. Well, people, a quart and 750,000 miles is acceptable by the manufacturer, okay? The engines are built looser now, which gives you it's got a positive and a negative effect. One, it'll give you it's less less uh effort to turn the engine over because it's a looser motor. And then it has the outside effect that because it's so loose, it can use oil. That's in the technical service bulletins. It can use oil. So if you've got an engine that you normally change your oil at 5,000 miles, and it uses a quarter every 1,000 miles, you're not going to make 5,000 without putting oil in it. So you need to know what your engine oil consumption is. You need to be able to pull a dipstick and see whether or not you're running. You pull a dipstick in it. Most of them are yellow on the top, so you should be able to find it. If you don't, you pull it into your favorite garage and say, where would you hide the dipstick this year? And he'll know what you're talking about. They'll show you. <coughs> but you need to check. That is on you. You take an engine and it runs out of oil. They're going to be arguing with you at the dealership on, okay, why did you? You didn't check your oil. You're supposed to check your oil. That's your responsibility. So long as you check that oil and you can write it down if you want to. If you've got an engine using oil, I'd write it down on where you uh, your records when you changed your oil. It was one quart low. It was one quart low. Or I had to add a quart at 1,000 miles or 2,000 miles. You need to have that record because you may need it in the event that you have a problem. But checking the engine oil and keeping the engine oil in it is your baby. Changing the engine oil is your baby. That's what you're supposed to be doing. That's your end of the contract. And if you'll do that, you'll stay out of trouble. But you can mix a can of regular motor oil with synthetic oil, full synthetic or a semi-synthetic. You just put, if all you've got access to is a can of regular oil, put it in there. Okay, that gives you the volume. The synthetic oil will man up while it's in there and... They'll convert most of that uh, paraffin base that you poured in there over to the synthetic in it it will mix with it then all it does is change your your grain interval but you just you can measure it I run uh, the oil mixed with synthetic I run it to the full oil change till my next interval was there like I said I've been doing this forty seven years and when when you do that and then I also, when I change the oil, I pull the sample out because I'm testing it. I want to find out how good is this full synthetic that I actually had to add the paraffin-based oil in there. How good is it right now at the drain interval? I'm at 7,000 miles. I'm changing the oil in this. I want to see how well it held up. And it held up fine. Not quite as good as the synthetic at 7,000, but it at least held up with that mixture of, I think it was like a quart and a half, to the crankcase. And it actually held up, and I was not in trouble. No additional wear was uh, noticed or anything like that. So you can do it. Do it. Uh, The other thing that people do is they have the older vehicles, and they'll have a... uh, They'll they'll have a... uh, Brake fluid leak. There'll be low on brake fluid. The light will come on and you go out and you check your brake fluid. And sure enough, it's low. It's down half a master cylinder just past the sensor on top of the master cylinder. And you think, Oh, well, I've got to, I, I need to put brake fluid in it. And the only brake fluid that they have at this little country store that you see is a synthetic brake fluid. Don't do it. Because it will create instant acid. And synthetic brake fluid in a car is only for a virgin system, meaning everything in the brake fluid system has to be brand new. Now, a lot of you guys that are working out there on classic cars, they'll they'll build a classic car. And then they'll they'll decide, okay, I'm going to pour uh, synthetic fluid in it because it's, it's better. Well, it is better if you're running a virgin system. It cannot have any of the old lines in there. It can't have any of the old slave cylinders in there. Nothing that's ever been touched with regular brake fluid. So be super careful when you're putting brake fluid in it to top it off. And by the way, when you're topping it off, that is an emergency thing only when, because as soon as you top it off, the brake fluid that you poured in there is dirtier than the brake fluid that was existing because the new brake fluid tries to clean up the old brake fluid. So you didn't do anything, but you, you, you put some volume in there. Hopefully, you'll have brakes. You get it in where you can have the system completely flushed and then put new Brake fluid in it that was called for from a manufacturer. (coughs) And you do not want that, trust me, you don't want the synthetic in it because it's almost impossible to get that stuff out. And it does create an acid that takes out your system. (coughs) But any questions you have about synthetics, I'm wide open. Synthetic transmission fluid runs cooler on a pull than regular transmission fluid by about 65 degrees. Crank cases on a synthetic system.
2: <coughs>
1: Excuse me. I'm still trying to get over the allergies, which I never will. But the synthetic uh, engine oil in an engine only averages 15-degree crankcase cooler when it gets to the crankcase than regular paraffin-based oil. So there are advantages to running synthetics, especially if you're towing. <coughs> They've got synthetic fluids for the differentials. Uh, you know, they say, well, you you go in and you put an eighty ninety synthetic in it. That's better than the old uh, 80 or 90-140. No, I don't really agree with that. You put the synthetic heavy-duty in it. They have a different grade. You put the heavy-duty. If it come out with an 80 or an a 8140, 9140, you put the same thing in with synthetic, and then you're pretty much protected. As long as I've been running synthetic, and i pull pulled horse trailers, car trailers, every kind of trailer you can put, but as long as I've been running the heavy-duty synthetic gear lube, I've never lost a differential. And they're not put in there for a lifetime. I don't care. I remember before they changed the composition of the differential gear lube, you could put it in there. We've seen vehicles come in had had 100,000 miles on it. And they're running the old differential gear lube. Well, in 96, they changed the formula in the gear lube. Only problem is they didn't tell everybody in the industry that they were doing that and we started seeing a rash of cars, vehicles, trucks mostly, come in that had fried differentials. So I started researching, and I found out that during the time that they were taking the chlorine out of everything, they moved some of the chlorine out of the differential gear lube, which shortened the life of the differential gear lube. It broke down too quick. Well, when we went back, we rebuild these differentials. High dollar, my, uh, tw- average about twenty six hundred a piece, and we put a full synthetic in it, and we put a heavy duty synthetic in it. We didn't have any more problems with this vehicle. But I'm I'm I've been around long enough to know that yes, on the older pickups that they back in the day. They used to put differential gear lube in that thing. My gosh, you could drive that thing. I've seen them come in with 150,000 miles of differential gear lube. And it was still operable. It was still doing its job. And then when you clean it, well, it's time to clean it out, so you'd flush it out and you'd put a more differential gear lube in it. Well, we didn't know at that time that, oh, and by the way, they changed the composition. And so we'd recommend you change your differential gear lube at about sixty thousand miles, and that was because that's what they—that's what was being done on the late model vehicles. And so we thought, okay, if you take an older model vehicle and you put it on a late model standard, you should be able to get the same response because metal is metal. And sure enough, we got the good response out of it because you needed to change it about sixty thousand. All knife tow vehicles, the one I was pulling 18,000 pounds with, <clears throat> 30,000 miles. Transmission was flushed completely with synthetic. The differential was flushed with uh, changed over to synthetic also. I never had anything. I wore a transmission out at 129,000 miles. It was running on full synthetic and had been towing 80% of the miles. The transmission shop that I had rebuild it called me up and said, Jerry, you need to come down and see this. I said, what's the matter? He said, I want you to see this. And I went down, and he said, you've been running full synthetic in this the entire life of it. I said, after 1,500 miles. He said, this transmission is worn out completely and still clean on the inside. It has just worn completely out from heavy-duty abuse. If you're towing with a vehicle, you take 80%, 80% (coughs) of towing. You take the mileage times two, and that's what mileage is actually on that, to get that 80% from towing. Because when you're towing, it's twice the miles of wear on these vehicles when you're pulling these big loads. And so your change interval needed to be at 30,000 miles. And so we figured it out. I figured it out. And then I started telling my customers and the guys that I know that tow vehicles, horse trailers, boats, campers, fifth wheels, all that stuff. A camper, these campers on the back of these trucks are heavy. They're really heavy. And I've seen people tow them on half-ton trucks. They tow them on a half-ton trucks, and I had a buddy that did it, had an old Ford F-100 that he towed his cab over camper. And I told him, I said, Bob, you can continue doing this. I'm surprised you hadn't had to replace your rear axle bearings. And well, at that time, they were actually making them stout enough to where they would hold a, a heavier load, even though they weren't rated for that. Well, he was up north and come back through Phoenix, Arizona on the freeway, and uh, all of a sudden he had a fire, and it was he melted an axle bearing because of the load. So then he had an option: You can put a three quarter ton full floater rear end on it that has two axle bearings that do nothing but carry the load, and the axle works separate from the outside, and all it does is turn the wheels. But you got to remember, those axle bearings on those hubs are fed with clean differential gear lube from the inside on that particular unit. And so you have automatic oil that goes into these things, like on the big 18-wheelers and stuff. They have their own oiling system. I'm not that familiar with the oiling system. I just know that they have them. But they also can burn it just from heavy loads. If you don't service these vehicles on the differentials, transfer cases, transmissions, you will eventually have problems. If you're running a little all-wheel drive, little SUV that has a viscous uh, transmission in it, then they have the little uh, transfer case in it that holds about three-quarters of a quart, and it gets a leak By the time you find that leak, you're probably replacing this little transmission, and they're very expensive. So that's the reason. When you go in for an oil service, that includes an oil change. You assume that if you go in and have the oil change, that that is an oil service. An oil change is I'm going to take the filter off, I'm gonna drain the oil out. I'm gonna fill it back up with oil. I may check your air filter on your engine. I may check your cabin air. I may check it, depending on where you're taking it. And that is all that is is an oil change. So when you take it into an oil service, you make sure that technician, you take it to Parker, you take it to automotive specialists, you take it to a lot of these good garages around Tucson. And when they do an oil change, it's actually an oil service. They don't just change the oil, slap it on the bumper, and send it out of there. They do an inspection to make sure that you don't have anything else coming that you haven't seen or noticed or know to notice. You're not looking for the same thing. These guys are trying to keep you on the road. And they'll write it down, hand it to you on a piece of paper. And guess what? Then it's your responsibility to make sure that these items are at least looked at or followed up on to keep that car running safe and dependable. So there's the deal on the oil service versus an oil change. And when you've got, nobody's been under the hood for 7,000 miles. When you go in for an oil change, that's they're, they're, they're under the hood long enough for the oil in it. But... They're not the same as trained technicians as far as doing an inspection on your vehicle to make sure that you're okay since the last 7,000 miles you were in. And when you get a car with 100,000 miles on it, you need to be religious in getting an oil service instead of adjusting oil change. And whatever you do, if you do your own oil and you go into... Uh, change it yourself. Stay with the same viscosity in the state of Arizona, because you can get away with it, especially in the southern part of Arizona. Stay with a 5W20. Don't worry about it. It'll it'll service everything here. If you're ro- running in a uh, a different climate, you may have to go to a 030 or something like that. There's all sorts of stuff out there, but don't do it without checking it out first. Ask your technician, ask your service riders at these independents, and find out what would be best for your application and your driving habits. Not everybody qualifies for a full synthetic changeover. Hey, Jerry? I have told them that.
0: Yeah, Jerry, we got Lou back on the line. She had another question about something about fuel injectors.
1: Okay, let me speak to Lou then. Lou,
2: welcome. Are you there? Hi, Jerry. I'm calling back. I looked up the mileage. I have a little over 160,000 miles on the 94 Nissan. So it's not many for 28 years. But back Uh at 154,000, the technician with a diagnostic test found a code 45, which is a leaking injector, as I'm told. And they mm-hmm. stored it and cleared it. But now I'm wondering mm-hmm. also, can you talk a little bit about fuel injectors and what that sure. the ramifications of that might be?
1: Sure. Uh, what, fuel injectors... Uh, are designed to be cleaned. You can do it with, uh, uh, you can go down to Merrill's and get a can of fuel injection cleaner, or the best way to do it is do a motor vac on that engine. A motor vac is a fuel system cleaner. It cleans everything from the pickup tube in the tank all the way in through the engine because what they'll do is they'll clean the engine with a machine. They actually hook a machine up on it. And they pour all of these additives. It's a cocktail of additives that they put in it. And it takes about uh, two hours, and it'll make it smoke, and you'll think the vehicle is on fire. And all that's doing is clearing the garbage out of your fuel delivery system. An injector has a small pencil on the end of it. Used to, they were as big as the end of an ink pen. That's on some of your old diesels. Now they're smaller than a needle, okay? They're under high pressure. They do gum up, and then when you shut the engine off, they will coke over the end of the injector. When you start to fire it up, it's trying to put high-pressure fuel through that end of that injector housing, and it can't because it's got to blow off the coking, which is like a crust on the outside of the injector, before it can get the gas down to the pistons to start your firing process, and yes, it will set an engine code, and they need to be cleaned they need clean a fuel injection system's supposed to be cleaned uh on motorvacs they recommend it uh nine thousand miles or seven thousand miles to start Wow, I recommend it. I recommend it at about, uh, if you do a lot of highway driving, and it also depends on how long you drive it during a day or how long you drive it on when you take it out regular. If you drive it in a closed loop, which is where the computer closes, it takes away the mechanical ability to put fuel in there, and it, based on the heat of the engine, and it will actually go into closed loop, and the engine is hot then, and it burns everything it goes in. And if you drive it more than 20 minutes every time you fire it up and go driving, and I mean drive it, uh, then it's you don't have to do it as often as you do if you just fire it up and you run a mile down to the store and then you come a mile back from the store and you shut it down again and you do this for like a month at a time. So it's based on your driving habits through the recommendation on this uh i will <coughs> i will say with one exception we had a lady come in with a toyota that had injectors and she said i want a motorvac done on this and i said i thought you went back and forth to phoenix about twice a week she says, i do and i said okay why do you think you need a motorvac on this, And she said, because I want one. And I said, okay, you're the customer. I can do a motor vac on it, but I don't really see where you need it right now. <coughs> she said, are you going to do a motor vac on it or not? And I said, yes, ma'am. We did a motorvac on it. Two weeks later, she called me back. She said, I got four and a half mile per gallon more after the injection service was done. That vehicle did not indicate anything to me that it needed one. That just proved me wrong and that the manufacturer that does all of the research on this was correct. She needed that. But to add a little extra to it, MotorVac was actually designed for carbon and was run in Mexico because of bad gas probably 10 years before it, the machine ever got to Arizona. And then... We run, excuse me, I need a cough button, I don't have one, but we run, a buddy of mine over uh PV Automotive, Palo Verde Automotive at the time, he bought the first machine, we run 66 vehicles through that motorback machine before I ever bought one because we were testing it to see if it was as good as they said it was. Yes, it is. And when we started, we, we've done everything from, we <coughs> had the approval for injectors on a Ford Taurus that was going to run that man around, I think, six $700 at the time. And I told him, I said, if I can use, I need a guinea pig. If I can do a motorvac on this and it clears it, you don't have to get injectors. If it doesn't clear it, I won't charge you for the motorvac. He says, You got a deal. We fixed seven injector seven injection problems on cars with a motorvac where they didn't have to go in and change the injectors. And they run fine. They run fine for three years out. So they have to be clean. You can put a can of... Um, it The best one on the market right now is BG44. And you can pour a can in a gas tank, and it's slower acting than the motorvac machine where you go in and it's a one time thing and everything is clear cleared out. I mean the rails of the injectors, the feed rails are cleared. Everything is cleaned out. It's flushed out before we even start the engine. Then we start the engine, the rest of the additive on the motorvac cleans the end and all the the crust off the end of the injectors and cleans the injectors down through the pencils and everything there. So yes that that could very well, and that will set a um, a code if you've got dirty injectors or your injectors. The way they first show up is when you're trying to start the vehicle in the morning, after you run it hot, you drove it in last night, you parked it, and then the next morning you fire it up and it idles rough about a second or two, just just a couple uh-huh. of seconds. That tells me that the injectors are dirty because it runs perfect the rest of the day, except for that one time. Now, the more it cokes up on the injectors, creates a hard start. You'll crank it, and it'll crank for about 14, 15 seconds, and then it'll fire off. That's another indicator that the injectors are dirty. But the injectors should be, yours I'd clean at about 20,000 miles. But since you've run it, (laughs) you need to have it
2: done. Oh. <coughs> but they—they—they well, they, they may it or it may out? not know it. Is it safe to take it huh? out on the road with the engine light on?
1: Is it on solid?
2: On solid.
1: Is the light? Does the light stay on all time?
2: Yes, it's the minute that it starts, oh, yeah. the light is on. And it okay. never goes
1: off. All right, you need it. It tells you to get it into a shop. Okay, a yeah. blinking red light or blinking light on the dash tells you that you need to get it in now because you ignore it and it will. It can cause catastrophic damage to the engine. But a light stays on, you take it in. They'll read it. They'll find out what the history is on the car from the light, and it can store it on the computer. And then they'll be able to read it, but you've got a, a you've got a older computer in there. So I would take it in to your favorite shop, have this thing checked to make sure what you've got. Test first, don't guess, as Brian Fuller from Automotive Specialist says. Test first, don't guess, because you can spend a lot of money replacing the injectors when you don't have to. Okay. Okay.
2: Test first,
1: don't guess.
2: That sounds
1: good. What part of town do you live in, Lou?
2: It's what a part like of town do you live, town, in? Like, um, north, you live in? but not far north. River, the River Road area, First Avenue.
1: Yeah, that's fine. I don't know where that is. You can go right out the road to automotive specialist. And they're right down at Meredith and Ina. And automotive specialist phone number is 572-1734. That is Brian Fuller, Mr. Test First Don't Guess. And Brian's cell number is 237-3852. Of course, you've got to put the 520 in there. But he's located at 3611 West Ina Road, Suite 101, at Meredith and Ina in a Bookman's Plaza. And he's on the north side of the plaza, right behind the uh, glass place and a big parts house there. Excellent Uh shop, been around a long time. And you can find him at 572-1734 or 237-3852. They do operate by appointments. And if he can't find it, you're gonna to have to sell your truck. That's how good he is. Okay?
2: No. <laughs> it's a good such a good truck. <laughs> and he
1: can Hail Key he can fix the truck. He can fix anything but a broken heart and a crack of dome.
2: <laughs>
1: so <laughs> Thank you, Terry. He he's that good. He's that good, okay? And if he's too busy, you've got Parker Automotive at 5101 East Speedway. Excellent shop. And then if you really want to go exploring the side of the world, go to Ajo and Country Club to Simmons, and we can find it also. Okay? Thank you. But good luck with this, Lou. And I'm glad that you're paying attention to it. But I don't know how long that light's been on, but you need to have that solid light looked at. Don't clear the codes. They'll do all of that stuff down there, and that will give them a history on what this vehicle is doing. It's very possible. Back in
2: 1980
1: and 81, Toyota was having such a carbon problem. That's why we brought the machine to Tucson. That's why Bill and I got together and said, okay, let's buy one of these things and see if it works. And because if you have a heavy carbon up problem, and that's another thing, it'll, it'll decarbon the engine. And if you carbon up, they'll get so bad that used to, they would have to pull the cylinders off the the cylinder heads and scrape it off manually or grind it off. But that's the reason the motor vac is so efficient now. If you do it on a regular basis, you're going to have very little hard carbon in an engine. I don't care what engine you have, it will have carbon in it, because that's the nature of the beast on these engines. And the only way you can protect that is, one, is a full synthetic and have your carbon. It will still build carbon on the motor. It just won't stick like it used to. And But you have that fuel system cleaned out. I call it a fuel system enema. And everybody laughs at me. But that's how clear and that's how complete the motor vac system is on automobile. We've actually had to do vehicles twice because it was so carboned up. But there's a vacuum gauge that we put on them. We monitor it. We do it. We can look at the vacuum gauge after the first run through, and we can see if it's going to need the second one. We started a little red car from a dentist that was working out of Phoenix back and forth during the week. And we looked at everything on that car. We could find nothing wrong with it. And I walked out there and I said, hey, when in doubt, motor back. They said, what if it don't work? Don't charge it. We motor back that thing. We thought they was going to call a fire department on us. It looked like a little red grill sitting in the middle of the garage, smoking like a son of a gun. It quit smoking and it run like a sewing machine. I mean, that's, how good the MotorVac system work? A complete fuel system cleaning works on these cars. So, and it also comes. We guarantee them. If it don't work, we don't charge you for it. Because I don't have to buy the chemicals and stuff from MotorVac. They'll send me the chemicals back. If we have a vehicle that that didn't work on, we don't even have to worry about. All I do is take care of the labor. They take care of all the chemicals and stuff that we use. It's guaranteed. So, and that's worked out extremely well because of all the equipment that I have in the shop at Simmons, the one piece of equipment that we make sure is up and operating at all times is a motorback to the point that we had to buy another machine to keep up with the volume because machines have a tendency to break down over a period of use. And <laughs> we make sure we got a backup for it. That's how That's probably the best piece of equipment I have in the building for runnability issue. And then to add to that, that carbon that builds up when you do a Ford that has aluminum heads and spark plugs in it, they carbon up on the threads inside the cylinder heads. We actually do a motor vac on the Ford products to clear those spark plugs before we even start to take it out because they will freeze and that steel to aluminum freezes well together. And we cut that carbon off of the thread so that we can back it out of the cylinder head. That's how special that one system is, that one cleaning system is. So, yes, you need to take it to your shop. You need to get this stuff done. You need to motor back whether or not that cleared. But you need to find out what the problem is. And those guys, they follow up a, a regimen of diagnostic procedures, and they'll find out if that is and will that work. Excuse me. I gotta go take some more medicine. Anyway, did that answer your question, Lou?
0: I think I think she I think she got it, Jerry.
1: Good, good. All right, I have three tickets left, three family pack of tickets left to the Speedway tonight. Five twenty seven one nine fourteen ninety. I have three four packs of tickets to a two day show at Tucson Speedway. It's called a Turkey Shoot. It is a massive size show. For callers one two three. One, two, three I have I have three sets of tickets. It's going to be one heck of a show. Uh, Saturday is normal time, I think starts at five thirty gates open. and Sunday, I think it'll start at around one o'clock Sunday. So and this tick these tickets are good for both shows, both days. okay? 719-1490. 719-1490. Very code of course five zero two seven one nine fourteen ninety and get your free tickets. These things are worth about sixty five, depending on what the show price is. Anywhere from sixty five to a hundred dollars a ticket for four people. So you know they're worth they're worth it. If you've never been to a NASCAR show, the weather's going to be pretty, um, and it's just going to be a heck of a show at Tucson Speedway. Seven one nine fourteen ninety area code five two zero to get these three family four packs of tickets, one per client. That's all you need to get four people in. All right, Jim, you still with me? I got a little long winded there.
0: You you, you did real. You were going good, Jerry. Yeah, I'm still here. I was just gonna the last thing on on because you covered a lot of on the synthetic and the oil change. The only thing I was gonna add in on that yeah. was just remember when we're doing the. Uh, when you're doing oil service or diff service, dip differential service or radiator service or brake fluid service, remember, I know you say this all the time, Jerry, but I'll just reiterate it one more time. Um, we're in extreme duty area. Dirt gets in
1: everything. Yes, we are.
0: So, so when you're doing the differentials, I know you may think that, you know, dirt can't get in there, but every differential, every transmission, every engine has a vent tube on it. They vent out to the atmosphere. And when they vent out, that means dirt can get in, dirt and water can get in. So just remember that the dirt does find its way into these places. Just, you know, just it's it doesn't seem like it's possible, but they're not completely sealed. So when we're when we're doing the work, well. it's it's extreme duty. So if the synthetic says, oh, it's good for 25,000 miles, yeah, back it up. It's probably only good for 10 or 15, just because we're in extreme duty areas. Right. There's just a lot of dirt in the in this town. So that's the, one, the, that's other the thing,
1: thing i is when you
0: when to Yeah, that's an excellent point. I was going to
1: add to that and say when you do the full synthetic change or you're running synthetic oil and you're doing it yourself, you go down to Merles and you say, okay, I want to buy an uh, oil filter for a uh, a 2005 pickup or whatever. What you know that he don't know is you're going to be using synthetic fluid. You need a heavy-duty filter, extra mile oil filter, I think is is the brand name on some of it. You want to go to the heavy-duty oil filter. It's going to cost you probably one-and-a-half times more than the other one did. But you've got to have it for the ex- the extended drain intervals, which is the reason probably most people are going to these synthetics. That, in fact, is better than their paraffin base. But just remember, go the heavy-duty, extra mileage oil filters. Don't buy a cheap oil filter and put synthetic in it and plan on driving it 5,000 miles is not going to do its job, and if you'll do that, you'll stay out of trouble too. So, yeah, that's, that's all like I had to add on that, Jim. Uh, that's an. We, we point got
0: about. That. Go ahead. You got about? No, I was just going to say that's an excellent point. You're going to spend the extra money on the synthetic. Don't cheap out on the filter. It's all one system. You got to Bingo. make sure that every part of it is is up to the, up to par with every other part. Otherwise, you're just wasting your money.
1: And for your diesel owners out there that drive these uh, diesel trucks like I do that have the shop vac on the front end of it for the air intake, um, which is a turbocharger, the filters, the air filters on the diesels are extremely critical, extremely critical. Jim should know this. and In fact, I'm sure he does. But change that air filter on that truck. Use the extreme duty cycle to change the air filter. And if you have a haboob or a bunch of wind that come through the other day is running 30 35 miles an hour and blowing this fine dust around, remember, <clears throat> dust is created by sand and, and dirt, and sand, a glass beater, is fine sand a glass beater is. That's what you use to clean carbon or stuck carbon on engine heads and stuff like this. So remember that when you're sucking all this stuff through and it's bypassing on the air filter because the turbocharger has more suction than the air filter can hold and it will allow stuff to get by, one, your fuel economy is going to go crap, and two, you're going to be sucking dirt into your turbos. Now, there is a boatload of turbochargers on these little cars now. Little four-banger creating create 250 horsepower. It's got turbo on it. That is another little shop vac sitting on the top of that engine. It will bypass those filters. Make sure that the filter that you get for these little turbo cars and the oil, is whatever the oil is for that engine in your owner's manual, the viscosity that has a turbocharger in it, is not interchangeable with a regular, naturally aspirated engine. You have to protect the turbocharger because it comes from the same oil source, which is your crankcase. Do not go to mixing viscosity on that when you've got a turbocharger. You will not like the results. It will take it out. It won't. It won't hold up. Turbocharger... <clears throat> If you if you drive a car down the road and you're running forty five hundred miles uh, forty five hundred RPM and you're just a running it on down there that turbocharger can be spinning up to thirteen thousand revolutions a minute. Keep that in mind. That is one humming son of a gun. So keep the correct oil in it and keep the oil changed in these little cars that has the turbocharger in it, go to the severe duty in the back of your owner's manual, or you can call either Automotive Specialist, Simmons, or Parker. They will tell you what the severe duty is for your particular vehicle. Don't play games with that turbocharger. They're very expensive, and normally when they blow, the parts go inside the engine. It really can get really, really expensive. So... If you do that, then hopefully you can, uh, you know, stay out of trouble. But I've said over the last 40, how many years I've been doing this thing, 34, 35 years or something like that, that you do, and I I will go with Parker, Scott over Parker on this one, you do a little bit of maintenance all time. That don't mean every day. That means all time. And you get it before it gets you. Because when that light come on, like lose, that can get expensive. It come on; it sounds like it's been on for a while. Hopefully, she can get it diagnosed and get it cured before it does additional damage to the motor. It's whatever is happening to it is a slow process. It's got uh, it's operating out of parameters, and it's a slower process. When the blinking light comes on, the blinking red light, that means that you get that thing on the next time you hit the ignition switch to a garage and get it checked out and find out what's going on, because that is, that's going to harm your engine or whatever, is, whatever, whatever set that light is going to actually do catastrophic damage if you don't get it taken care of now. That's called a car taking itself to a repair shop. The solid light means you get it into the repair shop as soon as you possibly can. You know, you don't have to panic, but get it to the repair shop and get this code cleared, find out what it is. Get them read, get it Get it diagnosed before it creates additional problems because you can only run. We used to put tape, black tape over lights a long time ago. We used to thought that the dumbest thing in the world. Car running perfect and darn light come on. Well, if you remember back for the ones that's been around a while, <coughs> we used to have lights on the Chevrolet because I had a Chevrolet, and it had a little red light to come on. And that red light would come on after you run out of oil in your engine. <laughs> You'd hear this clatter, and the red light just happened to come on about the same time. And you get out, and all the red light done was tell you, hey, stupid, you forgot to check your oil. And now you're out of oil, and you've done fried your motor. That's called an idiot light. (laughs) For everybody out there that's over 50 knows exactly what I'm talking about. So that's one of the things. But now, if you just pay attention, do a little bit of maintenance all the time. Stay up on it. Make sure you got the windshield wiper blades uh, changed on it so it don't scar your windshield. And then you have to go in and have a windshield replaced. And don't give me that crap about, well, it's covered under insurance. I know that. It's still a claim. (coughs) It still goes on your record. Okay? Won't make any difference in your premium until you actually get it done, until you trade cars and get another Vehicle, and then it changes your premium because the history, history, people, history. Got a light? Get it checked out. Got a tire pressure monitor system in the cold weather? It don't necessarily mean your tire pressure monitor system is bad. It means you got low tire pressure based on the cold weather. All it has to do is move just a couple of degrees below what the monitor set, and it'll come on, and you think, oh, my God, I got a flat tire. No get out, look, see if you got a flat tire, and then drive it to a shop, a tire shop, and get the air put back in it. But we're seeing a lot of that now. The tire companies are seeing a lot of it. Um, Alan Tire of on the east side, uh, he told me that, uh, you know, would you put it out on the radio program to people don't panic? You don't have a flat tire. you just got a tire below. Now, if you got a monitor that says, Your left rear tire has 20 pounds in it. You got a flat tire, so go ahead and get it fixed. All right, we're out of time on this second hour for all of you, and I hope you got your calls in for the tickets to the Speedway. It's going to be an excellent show. Uh, Jim, thanks for coming on today, buddy. Appreciate it.
0: Thank you, Terry. Have a uh, happy rest of your holidays. You're welcome.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Drive safe out there and God bless. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.